Uh, yeah, so Better Together is the name of our series this month. Um, and this series is a result of a lot of different things. Um, hold, please. <coughs> um, a few months ago, some of you may remember, we did a survey of all the members asking you what you think we as a church value. And uh, thank you to everyone who threw in their answers. We took all those results, and we as a church council went on a self-discovery journey, trying to discover who we are as a church, what our values are, what should we be valuing, what are the needs of our community, what do we have at our disposal. And we took all this, and after much prayer and seeking God and looking at all the information we had, uh, we decided to make a slight shift in our vision and our mission, and most importantly, our values. <coughs> because we want our values to be something that we can all grab a hold of, but we want our values to honor who God has called us to be. And if you've been with us for a while, longer than I've been here, you know that for a long time our motto was uh, enhancing life. And then when I got here, we changed it to equipping people. And we just felt that that wasn't really connecting. It wasn't really who we were. And so we are switching our motto to better together. Because as you read through scripture and as you go through life and everything that is happening, you see that so much of what we do is relational. Every single person, I don't care how introverted you are, you have a relationship with somebody. And we as a church are committed to making sure that those relationships are strong, healthy, and exactly the way they need to be to be not only God-honoring, but also fulfilling for you and fulfilling for the other person. So we are committed to this idea of better together. And what we're going to do for the next five weeks is I'm going to share with you what we discovered through this journey, what our values are as a church. Um, and some of you are like, didn't we just do this last fall? We did. This is like church values 2.0 with a slight twist, a little bit better, a little bit more focused. Um, it's going to bring clarity to who we are, what we do, why we do what we do. And so this morning, we are kicking off with the first one, which is our most important relationship, our relationship with God, what we're calling faith. Uh, it says in Genesis 1, or Genesis 2, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. It is not good for man to be alone. <clears throat> we, and being an image and likeness of God, are designed to be in relationship. And so we want to own that. We want to help with that and help us get better with <clears throat> growing our relationship. Now I say faith, and some of you might be thinking, well, wait a second, we just did that not too long ago. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. That's okay. Back in June, we did a series called Elementary, and we looked at Hebrews 6, and we looked at the six fundamental truths according to the author of Hebrews. What are the six fundamental things that every single believer needs to know, grasp onto, and have a solid understanding about? And the second one we looked at was faith in God. And as a quick review we broke faith down to be three, com three major components. If you have the app, this is all in the sermon notes. You can follow along. Um, my slides are acting funny, so it won't come up. But here are the three fundamental components of faith. Number one, hope that God will do 
what he says he will do. For my note takers, I'll say that again. Faith is a hope that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. Number two is a trust that God is who he says he is. Number two is trust that God is who he says he is. And number three is living life in a way that honors who God is and what he says he's going to do. And what we said in June is that it is obedience, acting in obedience to who he is and what he does and how he interacts. And so I encourage you, if you want, if you have time, go back and listen to that because it's kind of some foundational stuff. But that was a simply kind of knowledge approach. We looked at what it meant, but what we ended up doing was going through Hebrews 11 and seeing how faith was played out through what we call the heroes of the faith. And we looked at Abraham, and we looked at uh, Jacob, and we looked at all the heroes listed off in Hebrews 11. But this morning what I want to do is I want to kind of do kind of part two. And it's one thing to say that I trust God, who that God is, who he says he is, but what does God say? Who does God say he is? Who is God? It's one thing to say I hope that he's going to do what he says he's going to do, but what has God said he's going to do? What are the promises he has made to me? And as we look at these two, first two, then the question is, how do we respond? How do we respond to the promises of God? How do we respond to who he is? And how does that impact our life? And at the conclusion of service, um, we're still going to do discussion time. You're still around the tables. I'm going to conclude my sermon. And then you have to run. You can run. But I encourage you to stick around and chat. And I want to encourage you to explore this. Who is God? I'm going to give you a few examples, but I want you to come up with more. Answer the question, who is God? But more importantly, if God is this, then how does that impact the way I live? How does that impact the way I interact with others? If God has promised me this, then how does that influence the way that I live? How does that influence the way I respond to God? So with all of that, um, we're going to start off with who God is. I'm going to give you four quick um, characteristics, or what we call attributes of God. I'm going to give you some scripture. Again, it's all in the sermon notes. So if you want to follow along there, you can. Number one, God is omnipotent. And that's a really fancy word of saying that God is all-powerful. There's nothing God cannot do. He's only limited by his character. So that's why we can say that God, there's nothing God can't do, but he won't sin because it's contrary to his character. God is omnipotent. Mark 10, Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. There's nothing that is impossible with our Lord. He is omnipotent. Number two, he is omnipresent. Jeremiah 23, 23 to 24, I am a God who is, am I only a God who is only close at hand, says the Lord? No, I am far away at the same time. Can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and earth, says the Lord. God is omnipresent. There's nowhere you can go that he is not there. Number three, God is omniscient, or God is all-knowing. Matthew 10, 30, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Job 34, 21, for God watches how people live. He sees everything they do. There's nothing that escapes God's perfect 
and complete knowledge. And number four, God is love. 1 John 4, 7 to 8, dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. It's not saying that God is loving. It is that when you think of love, God is love by definition. And everything that he does and everything that he says, God is the embodiment of love. So what does that mean as a believer? Well, oh, that's weird. Hold, please. What does that mean for us as a believer? Well, if God is omnipotent, if God is all-powerful, it means that when we pray for him, it's not, God, if you are able, it's, God, I know you are able. When you pray to God, you don't hope he's going to move. He's like, you know he can move. You know that he has the ability and the power and the miraculous ability to do whatever he wants. So we pray with a confidence that no one else can pray with. If God is omniscient, we don't come to him trying to inform him of the situation. We come to him knowing he already knows the situation. And we just pray, God, teach me. God, how can I help in this situation? God, I'm going to pray like you are going to move and make it right, but I'm also coming for you to show me what I need to do because you already know. You know what's all happening. You know all the details. I need you to lead and guide me. If God is omnipresent, you never have to feel alone. You never have to be depressed. You never have to feel... Because this whole isolation that has happened as a result of COVID is the result, what is resulting is in heightened levels of anxiety, heightened levels of depression, heightened levels of loneliness. And when we come to a God that is omnipresent, we never have to be alone. We never have to feel isolated. We never have to feel by ourselves because there's nowhere we can go that God is not there with us. It also gives us the confidence that every situation we walk into, we don't walk into it alone. And if God is love, then you never have to feel less than. You never have to feel like you don't belong. You never have to feel like you are not wanted because you are loved by the Almighty God who loves you more than words can express. Not because God is loving, but because God is the very definition of love and there's nothing you can do, nothing you can say that's ever going to change that. You have intrinsic value because God is love and he is with you everywhere all the time. The other part about the omniscient thing, I, did, I wanted to mention this as well. All throughout scripture it says that God is, God is vengeance, right? We don't have to take revenge because God is justice, God is vengeance, God will make things right. His omniscience guarantees that when it comes time to judge, when it comes time to be just, It's not like our system where we have to provide the information. He's already got all the information to make the right call. So we need to trust God's judgment. We need to trust God's justice because God is going to do exactly what needs to be done because he already knows everything he needs to know to make the right judgment. And that's just a few. I'm sure some of you are like, but God is this. That's perfect. If you've got more, share them at the end. (coughs) 
What about the things that God has promised us? Oh. What has God promised us? Well, he says, if you follow his ways, you'll be blessed. Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 and 2. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. What has God promised? He says, if you obey me, if you follow my ways and follow my teachings, you will be blessed. And he goes on for a good number of verses of what those blessings are going to look like. Number two, if you seek him, he will meet your needs. Matthew 6, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Matthew 6 is all about talking about these things that we, we worry about. We worry about food, we worry about clothing, we worry about meeting our needs. And God says, if you just seek me first, I will meet your needs. Because I am all sufficient. I am with you. We just looked at a couple last week as we concluded our first Timothy. God, it says that God has given us everything we need to enjoy life. So we should be learn contentment. Number three, God says he'll forgive us. 1 John 1, 9, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all our wickedness. God is a forgiving God. And he has promised that if we will confess, if we will come to him, confess and repent, that he will forgive us. And number four, we can have a full life in him. James 2 5, listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he has promised to those who love him? James is talking to a church that's struggling. People are going through hard times, and he says, Don't worry about the hard times. Don't worry about the persecution you're facing because God has promised you not only a good life, not only fulfillment in this life, but he's also promised you eternal life. In fact, he's willing to pay a great price so that you could have eternal life. And the confidence that we have as we read through Scripture is the fact that as we go through, <coughs> we can have the confidence that go through Scripture, we see God fulfilling his promises time and time again. These are not empty promises. These are not promises that we need to worry about not being fulfilled. God is a God who fulfills his promise. And if he did it once, he'll do it again. God has made great and glorious promises to you. And so we can live in the confidence we need to go through this. We need to learn what has God promised us. Because these are just four. There's a whole whack of things that God has promised to those who are faithful and true. We talked about godliness last week how it is all in and that there's blessing and there's provision and God will meet us where we're at and walk with us through life. So what? What does it mean? We should live differently because of who God is. Should be, we should be so confident. Romans 8 says that if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is with us, what weapon against us can prosper?
What difference does it make? It makes all the difference. God has promised you good and right things if you obey, if you will follow, if you will seek Him first. Our relationship with God is the most important relationship we have in our life. Because not only is he the most important person in your life, but it is the one relationship that affects all others. If God blesses us, if God blesses me, then my family is going to be blessed. If God forgives me, then my family can experience that same forgiveness. If God can do it to me, he can do it for anyone. It's not all about me it has this ripple effect that impacts our family impacts our community impacts everything so often we get caught up in our <clears throat> we're caught up in our prayer life and our relationship just being all about me and it's not all about you it's not just about you it's about everyone <clears throat> so who is god God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is everywhere all at once. God is love. What has he promised? He's promised that if you will obey, he will bless you. That if you will seek him first, he will provide for you. That if you come to him and repent and confess, he will forgive you. <clears throat> and if you'll trust him, not only will you have a good life in this world, you'll have eternal life waiting for you. When it comes to relationships, this is the most important one. 